Today's great feast of the Epiphany is really the convergence of three great feasts. Consider it kind of a super feast. That is, besides Epiphany, it also commemorates the baptism of the Lord, as well as Jesus' first miracle of changing the water into wine at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. What do these three feasts share in common? Why are they put together, sort of say? Well, each one reveals Jesus' identity as the Son of God in a unique and unmistakable way. Let me mention the significance of each of these feasts and then draw out some very exciting applications for us today. You don't want to miss this. The first feast, of course, is Epiphany itself, which means God's self-revelation to all the nations. And all the nations are symbolically present in the personages of the three kings or the three magi who offer the Christ child gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these gifts were more than merely polite trinkets of honor. They were highly charged with sacred symbolism. The gold represented divinity, Godhead. The frankincense meant worship and priesthood. And the myrrh prophesied a saving death. In other words, these gifts meant that these three kings recognized that Jesus had a divine nature. He possessed priestly power. And they foresaw, however inchoately and obscurely, his future saving death on the cross, by which he would save us. You know, in St. Luke's gospel, more than in any other gospel, we see how the pagan nations, like the kings and the Roman centurion at the cross, recognize who Jesus is better than the chosen people of Israel, like King Herod. When I was ordained a priest, Bishop Andrew MacDonald, in his ordination homily, mentioned how my parents were like the three wise men coming from the East, from India. They brought with them three gifts, which were their three children, and one of them became a priest. I don't know what happened to the other two. (laughs) Think of all the foreign priests, though, who have come from afar to bring us their three gifts of faith, hope, and love, and have faithfully served us as priests. Priests from India, like Father Bala, who is with us now. Priests from Nigeria, like Father Pius. And priests from Mexico, like Father Daniel Velasco. You know, I know sometimes it can be hard to understand their foreign accent But don't let that distract you from the gifts that they bring us. Like in St. Luke's Gospel, sometimes it's the foreigners who are able to recognize Jesus better than the natives can. Don't be like Herod and miss the gifts that the foreigners bring. The second feast that reveals Jesus' identity is his baptism in the Jordan. Of course, we all recall how the heavens opened above the Jordan River that day, and a dove descended upon Jesus 
Meanwhile, a booming voice declared that Jesus was the Son of God. That baptism was a perfect picture of the Holy Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit symbolized by the dove. By the way, there's even a church in Rome that claims to have a feather that fell from the dove at Jesus' baptism. No joke. Go check it out. The practical upshot of Jesus' baptism and our baptism is too easily overlooked. What do I mean? Well, put simply, we receive the gift of faith at our baptism. Even though we are but babies and cannot understand what is happening to us, we receive an indelible mark on our soul that cannot be erased. Our soul is forever marked as a child of God. It's like that Jonas Brothers song called Sucker, (laughs) where they sing, you are the tattoo inside my brain. (laughs) Well, baptism, in other words, makes a Christian a sucker for Christ. Because the gift of faith is imparted and marked on us at our baptism, which helps us recognize Jesus as our Savior. And the third great event commemorated today is the wedding at Cana in Galilee. Now, Jesus' identity as divine is not revealed simply by changing water into more wine. Rather, Jesus makes the water into the very best wine. Now, let me ask you, what is the very best wine in the world? It is, is it the most Expensive Cabernet Sauvignon money can buy? No. It is the wine that Jesus transubstantiates at the Eucharist. That is the very best wine in the world. Indeed, it is so precious that all the money in the world would not be enough to buy it. So Jesus has to give it to us freely. You cannot afford the Eucharist no matter how rich you are. And Jesus gave us this precious wine at a wedding and thereby revealed a whole new dimension of his identity. Namely, he is not only Savior, he is also our spouse. Incidentally, this identity of Jesus as spouse and the church, all of us as his bride, is the root reason for all the tough teachings of the Catholic Church about marriage and sex. Have you ever wondered why the Church is such a stickler when it comes to sexual morality? Well, when you measure your marriage or any marriage by the standard of Jesus' marriage to the Church, then you begin to see why we do not approve of contraception or divorce or same-sex marriage or premarital sex or polygamy or all the rest. All these are aberrations of the marital love that would be an offense against the spousal love of Jesus poured out as the best wine at a wedding. That same wine is what we taste in the Eucharist so that we might be able to love like Jesus loves us. 
And that is also why it is so hard for our sex-saturated society to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Our eyes are blinded. Why? Because the more we give in to our sexual appetites, the less we recognize God among us. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Which means, when we are not pure in heart or in body, we will struggle to see God. Try to keep these three feasts sort of together in your head as a super feast at the conclusion of the Christmas season. The baptism of Jesus, Epiphany, and the wedding at Cana in Galilee. They are designed to help us recognize Jesus' identity so we don't miss him when he comes to us in the faith of foreigners, in our baptism, and in our spouse. Praised be Jesus Christ.